Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's March 15th, and today's sector is healthcare. I'm your host, Christine Hargis. This episode of Motley Fool Industry Focus is brought to you by Away. Away makes first-class luggage at coach prices that allow you to charge your phone on the go. For $20 off your order, go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use the promo code fool. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. I am so excited to welcome to the show today Motley Fool Premium Analyst Simon Erickson, who is calling in from Austin, Texas, where he is at South by Southwest. Welcome to the show. Hey, Christine. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for being here to share with us some of the healthcare-related things that you're seeing at South by. Uh, to South by us- Southwest is such a huge festival every year. It's got some of the most innovative companies and entrepreneurs, and healthcare is a big focus for them. Yeah, so we've been doing South by interviews all week long on Industry Focus, but in case you're just uh, coming to the show today for Healthcare Edition, Simon, can you give a little bit of background? What is this South by Southwest thing we're talking about? Sure. The South by Southwest Festival uh, in Austin started as kind of a music and film festival that just really expanded more and more into technology. So what's happening is companies and thinkers and entrepreneurs are kind of descending on the city. Uh, Austin's a great place to have this, where they're offering their next futuristic ideas, and kind of not only that, but also how that's going to change the system as as we know it today. It's a very exciting festival. And so there are a ton of different sectors that are being talked about. Healthcare is just one of them, although I kind of get the impression that healthcare is emerging as more and more of a theme as the years go on. They're starting to blend together. It kind of was in years past separated with a healthcare track and then there was a technology track. But over time, you're starting to see a lot of those really addressing the same core issues. It's, it's kind of exciting. Which leads me to the first thing that I want to ask you about today, Simon, which is what sort of collaborations are you seeing out there between the healthcare world and the tech world? Well, sure, Christine. If we step back and look at this at the 10,000-foot level, first of all, the total amount of data that's in the world is growing at 40% a year. So it's, it's basically doubling every two years, which means probably by the time you're listening to this, the statistics out of date. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. We're, we're spending about 18% of our GDP on healthcare, some $3 trillion a year. And the number of people that are over 100 years old in our country will rise from about 2 million people today to about 10 million in the next 30 years. Wow. Um, it's amazing when you think about the challenges that are facing healthcare today. But the foundation of this industry is still really based upon uh, the same things, which is, which is um, taking data and then pattern recognition. Doctors are running tests, they're diagnosing patients, and then they're making treatment plans. But the way that you're starting to see more and more collaboration and the blurring of the lines between healthcare and, and tech is now we've got these huge artificial intelligence platforms run by big companies like IBM. You've heard about Watson a lot in the news. Um, Intel, Microsoft, and Google also have their own platforms. And it's pretty They're incredible. They take a lot more information uh, than any one company could by itself. And they're really providing the insights of what that means. And so for healthcare, that's able to better diagnose medical images and uh, really develop better treatment options. It's the same blocking and tackling of what the industry has always done. It's just they have a ton more information to base it off of now. Right. And what IBM's Watson is doing is really incredible. I mean, this is the same platform that got its fame from being on Jeopardy, the the TV show. And yet now it's doing all these different intriguing things. Uh, for example, they uh, IBM has a collaboration um, 
with the healthcare world to use Watson to to make diagnoses and to to look at the data in a high level way and do things that maybe the human mind even couldn't. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think that the the real big impact we're going to see um, in the next coming years is really going to be a shift. Now that AI is more of a service than a product, it's more of a, a patient focused service, and I think that's going to enable this shift to what we're calling personalized healthcare. Absolutely. We're at the point today that we're, we're kind of harnessing and understanding all of these use cases and the data from companies. I think the second step is going to be changing that rough data into useful information. And then once we have that useful information, the really exciting third step will be to change reimbursement models, to change the overall system that is really going to focus more on outcomes and, and the patient's personalized health care. Right. And we are just getting started trying to apply AI to healthcare. One quote that I want to share uh, from Mark Cuban, who is the guy from Shark Tank and also owns the Dallas Mavericks. Um, he was at South by and was speaking on Sunday. And he says, the world's first trillionaires are going to come from somebody who masters AI and all its derivatives and applies it in ways we never thought of. That's that's what we're doing here, you know, trying to apply it to different healthcare applications to improve patient outcomes and to, to try to see what we can actually do with all this information that's being collected. As a Shark Tank fan myself, I really like that quote. <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs> um, okay, so one other thing that I wanted to talk about from what you're seeing at South by is the consumer side of things and whether or not there's more of an engagement from individuals in their own health. Yeah, I definitely think that's a fair statement. Um, the, the first example would just be you see a lot more Fitbits uh, on people's arms today. They're, today, wearable devices are counting our steps and, and taking our heart rates, which are kind of limited. Um, but we're seeing that expand into more interesting things. Um, Fitbit, for one, is working with Medtronic to develop uh, you know, a glucose monitoring device for diabetics. And we're going to start seeing more and more biometric information, more functionality, I think, increasing over time that will keep you out of doing those tests in the, in the doctor's office, but then still sending that information in for your doctor to keep an eye on uh, to prevent conditions from happening. But that's, that's information we're getting in real time anytime we want to look down at our Fitbit device. Which is increasingly popular. I mean, there's so much more interest now in tracking data like your steps or your your heart rate or whatever else it is than there was last year and then there was the year before that. This is definitely something that people seem to be taking a more active role in. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and that's real-time data. You know, that's something that will change every minute or every hour. Um, something else that's interesting, too, is, is something that basically a company called 23andMe started a couple of years ago which is, you know, you can get kind of a limited genomic analysis. You can look at your DNA uh, by sending in a saliva sample for $100. Um, consumers are really more and more interested in doing this, and they ran a, a survey of saying, you know, why are you doing this? What is, what is interesting to you in our, in our DNA test that we're offering? And about 60% of, of the survey responses said they were doing it for hereditary reasons. They wanted, you know, the Ancestry.com website. They wanted the, the Who Do You Think You Are shows where it's just saying, hey, I'm 23% European, you know, whatever else your mix was. It's kind of more of a curiosity. Right. And 23andMe seemed to kind of have kicked off this entire consumer side interest in your own genomics. Absolutely. And we're starting to see, um, initially, the numbers were very small, but they're rising. Now it's about 40% of respondents uh, are saying they're doing it for health reasons. 
They want to be able to, to screen for um, pathogenic variants of genetic diseases that are, that are contained in your genome. It's interesting, really, that you know, about 20% of people have those variants right now. It doesn't mean that we have genetic diseases or, or anything that's, that needs to be treated at the moment, but we are prone to them. We have the risk of that happening, and I think that that's something that we should all uh, be aware of to have a conversation with our doctors that could prevent a lot of problems later on in life. Yeah, I, I was going to ask your opinion on that, whether you personally think it's information that you would want. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of undecided about whether or not I would want to know some of these risk factors that I had. I guess it all comes down to whether it's actionable, right? Yes, that's exactly right. And a lot of people are saying right now, hey, vote me out. You know, that's great that this technology is out there. I'm going to wait a little longer before I actually volunteer to take this test. Right, especially if there's a skepticism about whether or not it's accurate. Absolutely. So before we talk about our next topic, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Away. Thanks so much for supporting us today. Away makes affordable, high-quality suitcases that charge your phone and start at just $225. By cutting out the middleman, Away is able to offer the perfect luggage made with high-quality materials at a much lower price, especially compared to similar quality luxury luggage competitors. There's a variety of options. It comes in a variety of colors and also four different sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. And they all cost less than $300. Away has designed the perfect suitcase to make your travel experience stress-free. It has two USB ports and a high-capacity battery that allow you to charge multiple devices on the go, like your phone, your tablet, your laptop. So you never have to worry about a dead phone or trying to fight for an outlet at the airport. These suitcases are ultra-durable, yet lightweight. They're made with premium, impact-resistant German polycarbonate. It runs smoothly in any direction because it has four 360-degree spinner wheels that won't stuck, get stuck or break. And it's also theft-proof with its TSA-approved combination lock that's built in to keep your belongings safe. Even overpackers can fit in everything they need with the patent-pending interior compression system that tightly buckles in bulky items. It also comes with a lifetime warranty. If anything breaks, Away will fix or replace it for life. Enjoy a risk-free 100-day trial period. If at any point you decide it's not for you, you can return it for a full refund, no questions asked. It really is a great bag. It charges my cell phone, so I don't have to worry about having a dead phone while traveling. The material is sleek and ultra-durable. The interior design helps me keep my items neat and organized. And it's easy to carry up and down stairs because it is so lightweight. Plus, get free shipping anywhere in the continental U.S. Away has a special offer just for listeners of this show. For $20 off your order, go to awaytravel.com slash fool and use promo code fool at checkout. That's awaytravel.com slash fool, promo code fool. All right. You know, so, Christine, I yeah. brought an away bag down here for South by Southwest. That I is true. Carry-on luggage. And what do you think? Uh, you know, the carry-on is amazing. I fit an entire week's worth of, of clothes in that. Like you said, the hard shell case kept it from getting wet because it was raining down here. Um, I was very impressed personally with it, I've got to say. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks again to Away for sponsoring us and for the bags. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, what I want to talk about next uh, goes back into genomics a little bit more um, because it's a really important uh, trend that we're seeing both on the consumer side and on the, the big data side. Um, what role do you think that genomics and this trend will play in healthcare more broadly? Oh, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the consumer tests that we were talking about, the DNA tests before, are kind of limited in what the information they're giving you back is. Uh, if you want the whole enchilada, you need to look at the entire human genome. 
Um, there's 18,000 unique human genes about in the human body, uh, in human beings, I should say. And the, if you're looking at that entire picture, um, we're learning more about genes that we didn't know so much about before. And that's, that's really kind of the driver for, for better drug development, for better treatment options. It's all in the information. That information is stored within the human genome. Um, there's, there's less than 2 million people that have had a, a full genome sequence done in the world today, which doesn't sound like a lot, Christine, but you know, when you consider that four years ago that number was 40,000, we're kind of seeing that exponential growth of how many of these are actually being done out there. Right, and a huge thing that's driving that is affordability. Absolutely. The cost of a genome, you know, back in the Human, human Genome Project back in 1990, took about 13 years and $3 billion to sequence one person's genome. Um, that fell in 10 years to about $100 million, and then it was $30,000 a decade after that, and then today it's less than $1,000. So as those costs come down, um, you're starting to see this pick up a lot more and more, and that's really unlocking the information. Right. Um, so on Sunday, President, or, uh, former, sorry, former Vice President Joe Biden was giving a talk, and he was pretty much pleading with the tech crowd that was there gathered to hear him to fight for a cure for cancer. Um, as a reminder, Biden's Cancer Moonshot initiative was designed to tackle cancer through personalized medicine, which is exactly what you're talking about. It uses information such as your genetic makeup to find treatments that are tailored to the individual. So given that personalized medicine is becoming more and more commonplace, what are some of the hurdles and the risks associated with that approach? Well, I think you have to say that privacy is probably the primary hurdle right now. Um, like we kind of mentioned before, there's a lot of hesitation of a lot of individuals to provide very personal information. Probably the most personal information you can provide is who you are as a person, your, your, your genome or your healthcare data. And I think that there's, there's still um, somewhere between hesitation and fear of having that, that out there. Who, who owns that data? You know, how are that, is that going to be used? There is a federal law called GINA that provides protection from that being used against you by employers or insurers. Uh, you can't profile uh, people or discriminate people based on their genome. But this is still a very, very early industry. I mean, personalized medicine is still in the first innings. Um, electronic health records are still very early on. They've been around for years, but as far as the adoption, it's still very early. And so I think that we still haven't fully defined a lot of those protections and how they'll be used by, by various um, interested parties. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of legal issues that are still left to be shaken out. I mean, the tech world moves so, so quickly, but you also have, on the other hand, the law, um, which is slower to move for sure. And you also have established practices from medical care providers that are maybe a little bit hesitant to move as quickly as the technology is moving. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, a lot of um, practices out there kind of like the way that they've been doing things. They've gotten used to it. They've got a system. They've got a workflow. Uh, the personnel's already trained on, on the way that they're doing it. And so they, a lot of people have got a mentality of, hey, this is what I'm doing right now, and this is working fine for me. I don't really want to introduce a lot of technology into my practice. And I think that's another hurdle we should probably discuss, too. Uh, you've got the opportunity to see a lot more things and develop a lot more useful information with technology, but it's also going to be a bit of a learning curve, especially up front, to get everybody else trained on, on using those. 
Absolutely. Although that is certainly something that these companies are working on, is trying to lower that learning curve and make it more uh, easy to adopt these new technologies. I was, I was reading a roundup of uh, the uh, session that the CEO of IBM was speaking with the CEO of Johnson & Johnson. And I remember seeing a, a quote from the CEO of Johnson & Johnson, uh, Alex Gorski, something to the effect of he tried out a uh, a, a verb surgical robot and within five minutes was able to actually learn how to do this really complicated surgery, which is just kind of insane to think about. Yeah, that's really correct. I mean, you think about robotic surgery, it's, it's so cumbersome right now, right? You've got a screen, you've got a mouse device, you're trying to move it around. It's kind of awkward. But if you can simplify that for the user who's a surgeon, um, that's going to be the key to getting these things adopted. I, IBM, too, is working on the permissions issue. They're calling it data-first architecture, but it's basically making sure that off of the same data set, different people have different permissions and can see different things. If you are the owner of that data, if it's your genome, you can see everything. But perhaps an insurer uh, or a payer or a hospital or different uh, interested groups can see different things off of the same data set. And I'm sure security is a huge issue there, too. I mean, the more times you transfer data, the more times you're opening up a security risk. That's absolutely right. So, Simon, before we sign off today, are there any other broad trends or highlights, um, any funny stories that you want to share from Austin? Oh, my gosh. Austin always has funny stories. <laughs> I've probably got a zillion of those from our member event we had. Uh, one thing that I will say, uh, just two things if I could, in April, Motley Fool Explorer will be looking at healthcare and the technology industry. We're going to be taking a deeper dive into the industry and see what that means for four different companies and figure out what we think is the best investment in that entire space. So that's something I'm really excited about next month. And then also, Christine, I'm going to be preparing a, a free report uh, that's going to capture everything that I learned from South by Southwest this year and distilled down into um, a readable takeaway that shouldn't take too long to go through. And I've also got my three biggest predictions for technology within the next five years that will be within that, too. So I'm really excited about that, too. Ooh, I am very excited to read that. Thanks so much for compiling it. Absolutely. Folks listening, um, is Simon, this is available to anyone, yes? Yes, it will be freely uh, distributed on fool.com uh, within the next week. That's awesome. And guys, if you're having trouble finding it, shoot me an email. Uh, you can always reach out to us and say, hey, or request this report or any show topics, whatever you want. Shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. Um, you can also reach us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. Simon, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hey, it was a true pleasure. Thanks for having me, Christine. You're so welcome. I hope that you enjoy the rest of the conference. I sure will. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. For Simon Erickson, I'm Christine Hargis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!